Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Punk Rock MBA podcast. Really quickly, before we get into this episode, I wanted to mention my Patreon. Patrons get all of the podcasts a week early. I do giveaways. I do some other stuff. But most importantly, if you want me to review your music or artwork or anything else, Patreon is the way to do that. Every month, I do a call for submissions. All you need to do if you want me to review something is just post it in the comments of that post. Then I will review it live on Twitch for the hundreds of people that tune into every stream and post it on Patreon for everyone to check out. All you need to do is just join at the $10 and up level, stay tuned for that post, and you are good to go. So if that sounds cool to you and you want me to review your music, artwork, or anything else, hit the link in the show notes for this episode. And thank you very much to everyone who supports over on Patreon. What's up, everybody? I'm Finn McKenty. This is the Punk Rock NBA. And when I was a teenager way back in the 90s, it was all about the album. I would get a new album, put it on, listen to it from start to finish, reading the liner notes and the lyrics as I would look at the artwork and just like study every detail that I could. I'd look at the thanks list and I'd write down bands that they talked about that I would want to check out. But for better or worse, that is just not how people listen to music anymore. There's only one thing left to say about living in the 90s. You're unbelievable. Playlists and algorithms are just more convenient. If a song comes on, you don't like it, you just hit next. It's as easy as that. And for someone like me who grew up digging through the dusty old bins at record stores, hunting down these obscure albums, and studying every single thing that I possibly could about my favorite records, I do think that we have lost something in moving away from albums. But at the same time, I also think that we've gained a lot. The main thing being that now, because artists don't feel like they have to pad out albums with filler songs just to hit some arbitrary number of tracks that the label says they need for an album, now they can really focus on quality over quantity. And to be honest, aside from nostalgia and wishing that I could have my youth back, which sadly is long, long gone. They ask you how you are, you just have to say that you're fine when you're not really fine. But is the album really dead? 
And if it is, is that actually a bad thing? Those are the questions that I will try to answer in this video. But first, if you haven't, please check me out on Twitch. I'm streaming twice a week from 4 to 7 p.m. Pacific on Tuesdays and Thursdays. There's a link to that in the description of this video. But first, before we get any further, as I have said before, NFL football is the best sport in the world. It's true. And it is that time of year. The first round of the playoffs is over, which means that the field of contenders is getting smaller and smaller every week as teams compete for eternal football glory. And if that wasn't enough for you, it is even better with the sponsor of today's video, DraftKings. All new customers have to do is sign up for DraftKings using my promo code PUNKROCK bet at least $5 on any NFL football game, and you will instantly receive an additional $200 in free bets. New customers just need to bet $5 on any NFL playoff game of your choice, and you will instantly get $200 in bonus bets deposited in your account. And if you're wondering what you could use that $200 in bonus bets on, try out same game parlays. This is where you can combine multiple bets in one game. For example, combining which team will win and and how much they'll win by for a shot at even bigger winnings. And if mobile sports betting is not yet available in your state, don't worry. You can still get in on the fun with DraftKings Daily Fantasy. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. New customers use the promo code PUNKROCK, bet $5 on any NFL playoff game, and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. That's promo code PUNKROCK only at DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm now at a place in my life where I realize, like, I don't have to just drop albums. Albums are dead. Singles are alive. But before I get into all of this and sort of how playlist culture has basically destroyed the album, I want to take a bit of a step back and ask the question of how did we get here? The first thing to understand is that although a lot of people now think of the album as kind of like the definitive unit of music, that was not always the case. For the first couple decades of rock and pop, singles were actually really the only format you could consume music in. The most popular version of that being the 7-inch 45 single, which is where the term album actually comes from. Once an artist had enough singles, they would be collected in like an actual book that was called an album. Yes, this is an album on 78s. And as you can see, it's a hardback book containing, in this case, four 78 10-inch records in pockets. This entire album is 22 minutes and 19 seconds in length. And when the 12-inch vinyl LP came along, they were marketed as an entire album of music on one disc. And at first, these albums were not mostly original music. They were more like a compilation of previously released singles collected on one disc with maybe a few new songs recorded to fill it out and kind of add marketing value. The album as we know it wasn't really a thing until like the mid-60s when artists started to think about the album as a piece of art that they could conceptualize as this like cohesive whole made up of a set of songs that kind of fit together into something bigger rather than just a collection of singles. And as far as the pivotal moment where the album became what it is today, a lot of people point to the Beatles album Rubber Soul from 1964. Maybe you can drive my car. Yes, I'm 
As one writer said, the album rather than the song became the basic unit of artistic production. And this continued to basically be the case for the next 40 years. Singles were of course always a thing and everybody wanted a hit song, but in the modern era, artists were kind of defined by their albums. The entire music industry revolved around the one to two year album cycle where you would release the album, market it, and then do a tour, which would then fuel demand for the next album and rinse and repeat. And the focus of music criticism and journalism was album reviews. And as much as people may look back and miss that era, as somebody who lived it, I'm not sure it was actually as great as many people think it was. For one, because oftentimes you would get excited about an artist after hearing a song, then you would buy the album and you'd be let down. I remember many, many times where I would spend, you know, 15 or $20 on a CD because I liked the single only to get it home, press play and realize that the album was like 80% filler and I had wasted my money. Now, of course, this worked out great for the labels because they got your money. And during this period, record label profits were at an all time high. So of course I understand why they would think it's great, but I'm not so sure it was actually great for the fans who didn't really have any choice. The first cracks in that came in 2004 when Apple's iTunes music store came out and let people buy any track they wanted off any album for 99 cents. And so for the first time, if you only liked two or three songs off the album, you could just buy them on their own. Then you could put them on a playlist with the other songs that you liked and just skip through them on your iPod. And we are introducing a product today that takes us exactly there. And that product is called iPod. The labels, of course, were not crazy about this because they didn't want you to buy one song for 99 cents. They wanted you to buy the whole album for $18. But to say that people loved this would be a massive, massive understatement. Obviously, in hindsight, we know that the iPod was a massive hit that totally changed the way we listen to music, but it was clear even back then. According to this New York Times piece from 2007, buyers of digital music are purchasing singles over albums by a margin of 19 to 1. 19 to 1, right? Think about that. 19 to 1. That statistic right there is proof of, I guess, what you could call somewhat of an uncomfortable truth that still holds true today. Labels liked albums because they're more profitable. And artists, for example, bands like Radiohead or Tool, they liked albums because it gave them a bigger canvas to make more of like a grand artistic statement. But listeners, when they were actually given the choice by Apple, it turns out that unlike labels and artists, listeners actually mostly prefer singles. The data just doesn't lie. But the biggest change was when Spotify launched in the US in 2011. Spotify wasn't anywhere close to the first streaming music app. There was Napster and Rhapsody and Real Music and tons others. But it was the first one that really clicked with people, probably because this was around the same time that smartphones were starting to become more popular. And they were followed by Apple Music, Amazon, Google, and tons of others. And obviously, artists are still putting out albums, and people are still listening to albums to some extent, but it's pretty clear that we live in a world of singles and playlists. My favorite album that I've heard in a while was, uh, I'm thinking about it off the top of my head. I've literally been almost exclusively listening to, there's a lot of great music out there. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 
guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, You can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use Hyperfollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. For example, according to Deezer, which is a big streaming service in Europe, only 16% of people say that they listen to even one full album per month. But aside from what the data says, what I've really noticed is that the feeling of a new album being, I guess, like a larger cultural event, that feeling is pretty much totally gone with a few exceptions. For example, I was 13 when Metallica's Black Album came out in 1991, and it was a huge deal. Whether you cared about Metallica or not, you knew it was happening. They hosted listening parties that filled gigantic venues like Madison Square Garden. People stood in line to get a copy of it right when they dropped at midnight. They were covering all this on the TV news. This wasn't just an album, it was an event. Usually, listening parties are held so a room full of music business insiders can listen to their new product, but tonight everyone was invited and it probably sets a record for being the largest listening party ever. And that just isn't really a thing anymore. Even the biggest artists in the world now don't get that kind of buildup anymore. For example, like when Drake and 21 Savage, who are two of the biggest rappers on the planet, dropped their new collab album pretty much out of the blue. And so for better or worse, that's just the world we live in now. So let's talk a little bit about what that means and why it might not necessarily be such a bad thing. For one, I think the post-album world has kind of tipped the scales a bit in favor of quality over quantity. And to me, that is definitely a good thing. Like instead of releasing an album with three good songs and eight filler songs, why not just release the three good songs? You've seen 
seen this with a lot of the more forward-thinking bands in rock and metal who have mostly stopped putting out albums and shifted completely towards singles and EPs, and it seems to be working out for them. For example, Falling in Reverse, who haven't put out an album in, I think, like five years. And yet, in spite of that, they are more popular than ever because when Ronnie puts out a new song, he makes it feel truly important. Like the insanely polished video for his latest single, Zombified, which has better visual effects than a lot of movies. Zombified! Like, how does Ronnie Radke have CGI that looks better than Avatar? That is my question. And personally, I'm totally fine with that because one of the biggest factors behind this push towards singles is that there is just way too much music now coming out for anybody to really listen to even a tiny fraction of it, let alone listen to a whole album from start to finish unless they're like really, really invested in that artist. And so for me, I would rather that an artist just give me their three or four very best songs this year as singles rather than those three great songs with eight or nine filler tracks padded out to just fill up an album. I think that quality over quantity singles driven approach especially makes sense for bands like Bad Omens, Electric Cowboy, Lorna Shore, or Spirit Box, who have really proven that they know how to make those viral moments happen and how to capitalize on those and turn them into a sustainable career. Now, there is also a downside to that, which is that in a world where everyone is trying to be the next viral TikTok song, I think we'll see more and more artists turn out to be one hit wonders, or I guess more accurately, like one TikTok wonders, because all they really have is that one catchy chorus that happens to be a meme for a week on TikTok. And as soon as they get tired of that and move on to the next thing, the artist is going to find out that they actually don't have any kind of sustainable career. I'm an island boy, I put my vest on, yeah, like a So the TikTok one hit wonder effect is definitely real, but I think we'll figure that out as people start to figure out pretty quickly that being a viral hit on TikTok, like that's cool, but it doesn't really mean much unless you can turn that into any kind of sustainable career. With that being said, I think the streaming era has also created somewhat of a monster in the form of albums with these like bloated track counts and deluxe versions that are basically just a bunch of filler that are there to inflate the streaming numbers. Deluxe albums, deluxe albums, deluxe albums, deluxe albums. So far, I think that's primarily been a rap thing with maybe one of the best examples being Drake's 2018 album, Scorpion, which has 25 songs on it. And I think this Reddit comment sums it up well. Way too many tracks. Two-sided albums are a thing of the past, or at least they should be. Cut this thing down to even just like 12 total, and it's a much better project. The bad slash mediocre songs drag this thing down. I totally agree with that. And yet you've seen a lot of other artists do the same thing, putting, you know, 20 plus songs on an album, hoping that their fans will just put it on on, listen to the whole thing from start to finish in the background while they play Fortnite or whatever and blow up their streaming numbers. And there's also the phenomenon of these really bloated, redundant deluxe albums that honestly just don't need to exist. It's just super clear that these are honestly just money grabs. For example, the extended edition of Indigo by Chris Brown, which has 42 <laughs> songs. I'm sorry, but unless you were like literally the Beatles, nobody needs a 42 song album from you. And I haven't seen this happening too much in rock yet, but rock tends to be a little bit behind the time. So I would bet money that it's coming. And that is definitely a downside to the streaming era. With that being said, getting back to the positives, 
I think the post-album world also gives artists a lot more creative freedom to experiment. In the old model, you would only put out an album like once or twice a year, or in the case of bands like Tool and Faith No More, like once a decade, which made it kind of terrifying to take chances. Because if you do experiment on an album and you put it out and people don't like it, you are stuck with that for a year or two or maybe even longer, which honestly might kill your career. And so I think now it's way better. You can take a chance and put out something super experimental. If people love it and it blows up, well, then that changed your whole career. And if they don't, well, oh, well, just put out another song in a month and people will forget about it and move on. Every song that you put out is a swing at the ball and you might hit a home run. A great example of that is Bring Me the Horizon, who basically change up their style with every song they put out. In the past few years, they've done everything from like ambient experimental stuff to metalcore on their post-human survival EP to I guess what you'd call like a pop ballad on the song Bad Life with Secret. No matter how hard I try, I always come undone. Not every artist wants to experiment as much as they do, but for those who do want to, I want everybody to feel like they can take that chance. So I think that this is a very good thing because I want artists to feel like they can take those big, bold, creative risks without feeling like they are putting their whole career in jeopardy. Look what you made me do, look what I made for you. Knew if I pay my dues, how will they pay you? But personally, my favorite aspect of the post-album era is how much better it is for people like me who are constantly looking to discover something new and interesting. Back in the day, it was hard. Because you couldn't really hear stuff before it came out, you had to either read reviews and trust that those reviewers knew what they were talking about, which most of the time they did not, or just like blindly buy an album based on the cover art or the name of the band, which is a very expensive gamble when you consider that CDs were like between 15 and $20 each. I got burned on many of those gambles and I do not miss those days at all. But with playlists and TikTok, it's an opportunity for new artists to get discovered all the time. For example, Bad Omens, who have been around for a few years now, but had by far their biggest breakout moment when their song Just Pretend blew up earlier this year on TikTok. Yes, they had a whole album, but that single is very clearly what is driving their success. And what's really interesting is they never even intended for that song to be a single. And unlike Island Boys, that viral success on TikTok actually did translate into a real fan base for Bad Omens. They were already doing well. They've been a successful band for years, but TikTok took them from, I think, a little bit under a million monthly listeners on Spotify to now almost three million. And their most recent tour sold out before it even started, thanks to the power of this one song. Now, with all of that being said, for those of you who do love albums and hate this like singles focused playlist, world that we live in now, don't worry because albums are definitely not going away, especially for genres like rock and metal. I don't think we are ever going to see Gojira or Meshuga walk away from albums and try to go viral on TikTok. But I think that's even true in other genres that are more driven by singles like rap and pop. For example, a couple months ago, Taylor Swift made history as the first artist ever to have all 10 spots in the Billboard Top 10 after she released her new album, Antihero. And that could only happen if there's enough people out there listening to that entire album over and over and over, just like we did back in the 90s when an album did feel like this big special event. But to be fair, that is Taylor Swift, who obviously plays by different rules 
animals than, you know, just about anybody else on the planet. Because let's be real, for the most part, rap and pop were never really album-oriented genres to begin with. Those artists obviously did put out albums because, like I said, that's just sort of what the industry expected from them. But is it really what anybody wanted? I think with those genres, it's always been about the big singles. So I think it makes a lot of sense for them to walk away from albums and just focus on the singles. Like, no disrespect to her, but is there anybody out there who's like really clamoring for the Ice Spice album to drop? No, you just want another banger single from her. And maybe if she keeps up her momentum in two or three years, well, yeah, maybe then we'll want an album. But until then, I think we're good. So to me, I think we're living in the best time ever for music. If you're like me and all you want from artists is a few big singles a couple times a year, you've got that. But on the other hand, if you're one of those people who still loves albums and wants that experience of listening to it front and back and looking at the liner notes and all that, well, that's not going away either. So I think it's the best of both worlds. All right, my friends, that does it for this video. As always, let me know what you think in the comments. And I would like to thank everyone who supports me on Patreon, especially those of you who support at the true cult level or above. Patrons get all my videos and podcasts a week early. There are members only channels in my discord that I'm super active in. I do giveaways sometimes. And there's also a way to have me review your music. All you got to do is join at the $10 and up level. And then every month I do a call for submissions. If you want me to review something, just drop it in the comments of that post. Then I will review it live on Twitch and post it on Patreon for everyone to see. So if that sounds cool, hit the link in the description of this video. And with that, I will sign off for now, but I will see you next time. All right, my friends, that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you wanna help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really love us and really wanna support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that. And you can just sit at home, think about how awesome this podcast is. That works too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to something about the Beatles, now on Evergreen, and wherever you get your podcasts.